Welcome back to episode number 162 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast where we're building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're tackling the Dust Safety Help Desk question, can the fan be used as an explosion isolation device? So starting in 2022 and moving into this year, we're going to have a number of shorter episodes covering questions and answers that come in through what we are now calling the Dust Safety Help Desk. So this is something that we started inside the Dust Safety Academy, where people can just submit questions to us. Um, it's actually something we've been running internally as a formalized system for a number of years now. We have over 200 questions logged. Now we're going to be talking about some of these questions and some of these answers and some of this material that comes up through the podcast through 2022. We'll still be doing our interviews. We'll still be doing a lot of other type of episodes as well. But you'll see these sort of, I think, shorter. We'll see how this episode goes, talking about bands and isolation devices. I think these will be sort of shorter sessions, just kind of talking about some of the questions that people have. My guess is if somebody submitted this question through to our team, then one of you out there in the audience might have this similar question as well. Um, so really talking about the the material that came up when we did research on the question, who we reached out to and we, we uh, put that through to a subject matter expert, reach out to the community like we do in this post and get everyone else's feedback and input is really a great way just to share the lessons learned and again, to answer these questions that I'm sure that other people have as well. When we get these sort of questions come in, they come in from, again, classically Dust Safety Academy, we had an area to have help desk. They come in from just emails, they come in from dustsafetyshare.com, a lot of other places and we either send them through to the this formalized system of the Dust Safety Help Desk, or if they they need to connect with a service or equipment provider, we'll send them through to Dust Safety Professionals, the platform there to get them connected no matter where they are in the world. So again, when we send, we receive a question from the community, it goes to the Help Desk or it goes to Dust Safety Professionals, and we tackle it in one of those two different ways. If you are interested in submitting a question, if you're stuck somewhere with combustible dust, you can always submit a question to me at chris at dustsafetyscience.com. I'll send through to our team. You can go to dustsafetyshare.com and submit your question there. And if you join the Dust Safety Academy, it's a free membership. We have over 1,100 members in there now. There is still this area to have this help desk discussion or community forum where you can just ask everybody that's in that community the type of question that you're, you're looking answers for. So today's question is, can the fan be used as an explosion isolation device? So a bit of a context, this is the question that came in through email and the provider says that I'm reaching out to you again in hopes you can point me in the right direction for some information I've been trying to find on exhaust fans not being a reliable form of isolation for an explosion, for a flame propagating in ductwork. This is from an explosion protection service technician, um, and they understand that the fan's not an isolation device. But the challenge is that their client, they're having a hard time convincing their client that this isn't so. So they're really looking for support, information, research, something they can point to to say, hey, this is not a, an isolation device. I do want to say thank you to the person who submitted this question. I know he listens to the podcast. We're going to refrain from in these episodes sharing names and, and personalized details. But I do want to say thank you for being an active member of the dust safety community. I'm sure someone else has the same challenge with a client today. My hope is that going through this information that we collected on this help desk ticket will help that person, help you, that person who has that challenge in tackling this in your, your day-to-day work and getting safe systems put in as an explosion protection provider. So let's start with sort of the basics. What does NFPA 69 say about fans? NFPA 69 is a standard on explosion prevention systems. If you open that up in NFPA Link, which is the system I'm using to review NFPA documents now, it's way better than the old paper-based system. Flipping through PDFs, I really like it because you can just click from the, the document, from the outline straight through to the 
appendices and back just by clicking and he comes up in a little pop-up box if you want to do it that way. Um, and it makes just scanning things a lot easier and you can search. Um, so if you actually search for the word fan in NFPA 69, it only comes up two times. It comes up once in the explainer material for chapter 14, which is talking about passive explosion suppression using expanded metal mesh and polymer foams. Um, this is not the type of thing that we're talking about here. This is just saying that that type of metal mesh design can have a fan design where it opens up. So that's not really even a, an instance of, of using a fan as an isolation device. And it comes up once in the explainer material for chapter 15 on installation, inspection, and maintenance of explosion prevention systems, where they talk about if you have an activation of your prevention system and you're doing an investigation, you want to acknowledge or monitor what the fan speeds were before, during, and after the activation to see if they were something that could have caused the explosion. So it's not mentioned, I guess, at the end of the day, is the summary point of that. Fans are not mentioned in NFPA 69, the standard on exposure prevention systems. Why aren't they mentioned if you try to look through it for using it as an isolation device? So to tackle that question, let's talk about what does NFPA 69 actually say about passive explosion isolation. So chapter 12, deflagration control by passive isolation. I'll read some of the section here. 12.1.1 says that the technique of deflagration isolation by passive means shall be permitted for interruption or mitigation of flame, deflagration pressures, pressure piling, and flame jet ignition between enclosures that are interconnected by pipes and ducts. So that's sort of, you know, what, what an isolation device must do. 12.1.2 says that passive isolation techniques shall create an isolating barrier independent of energized detection and control equipment. So this is talking about the, isol- the passive part. It's not an active system where you need a sensor to sense that the explosion is coming based on pressure or temperature or visual indicator or something else and an activating device. It's a passive device. It is independent of energized detection means. And 12.1.3 says that the piping, the ducts, and the enclosure protected by an isolation system shall be designed to withstand the estimated pressures as provided by the isolation system manufacturer. So this says that the isolation system is no good if it does close to prevent that flame, but then blows up during the explosion because it can't withstand the pressures. And pretty high pressures can be generated where you have an explosion propagating in a duct and you slam something shut to isolate that, a mechanical valve, say. The impact on the system quite large. So that statement, uh, 12.1.3, is saying the system needs to be able to withstand that. If it ruptures or breaks while it's isolating the flame and allows that flame to get through, then it's not doing its job as an isolation device. And there's some context material given in section 12.1.2 saying that process equipment such as mills, spray dryers, dust collectors, and blowers are commonly connected together by piping, ducts, chutes, conveyors, and so forth. An explosion beginning at one point in the process can propagate through these interconnections and start an explosion in other parts of the process, both upstream and downstream. Isolation methods can be used to interrupt or mitigate flame propagation, deflagration pressures, pressure piling, and flame jet ignition between items of equipment. Each isolation technique has unique and applicable, unique application limitations. That's just some of the explainer material. I'll kind of put it in a different way. If you think back to the case study we did in episode 78 of the podcast, a grain dust explosion in a milling facility with Dr. Suzanne Smith from Exponent, she talked in that episode about how destructive an unisolated explosion can be. An explosion in a attrition mill, propagate up five stories through the ducting into the cyclone, across the building, back down another couple stories into the dust collector. The dust collector was properly vented as per 
the NFPA requirements for an explosion starting in that dust collector, but not for one that had pre-propagated through all this ducting and went into the dust collector. So in that case, pre-pressurization that dust collector occurred, pressure piling and turbulent flame enhancement of that explosion happened all through the ducting. You had a very strong explosion that blew out the vent, blew out the access door back into the building and actually blew out the back corner of the building, causing pretty large destruction. That's the sort of reason why you need to isolate an explosion. You'd be much stronger having explosion propagating from one vessel to another, to another, to another, than just an original explosion in that vessel. So that's some of the reason why we need to isolate. So let's talk about the problem with fans then. Let's come back to the, the topic at hand. They fail at least two out of three of these criteria that we talked about in sections 12.1.1 through to 12.1.3. One, they, they don't stop the explosion propagating from one side to the other. They're just not really designed for that. And they're not likely to withstand the pressures necessary during isolation. They're probably going to blow apart, even if they could somehow stop the flame propagating. I guess this all goes to say, and this was the the original point we sent to the person that put the question is, and that they sort of knew, but provide some context. In other words, fans are not explosion isolation devices. They're not designed to isolate an explosion. They don't stop from propagating from one side to another, and they don't have the pressure rating to be able to not be destroyed during an explosion event. So that's a good place to end the podcast. No, there's there's more to it than that. Um, I mean, this isn't a very helpful statement. And it's really not helpful coming from the perspective of the person who's asking the question. Because if they're trying to convince somebody that a fan is not an isolation device, and they're starting at the viewpoint that a fan is an isolation device, then probably saying it's not an isolation device is probably not enough to convince that person, okay, well, I'll take your word for it. You might be able to get somewhere with the argument about pressure rating. If you can find some sort of pressure rating for the fan and demonstrate that you know an isolated explosion would have a, a pressure of so many bar and that that fan's going to not be able to withstand those pressures, that might be something that um, you know you kind of put your teeth into. But in order to provide some more information to this individual making their request, we decided to put this question out to the community as well to get some more feedback. So we actually did a, a public post on LinkedIn. We didn't share any of the individual details of the person or any, you know, identifying information. We just asked a question about fans and isolation devices. And we'll include the link to the post in the show notes so you can go view it. The show notes are at dustsafetyscience.com slash 162 for this episode. Um, we just said question from the community using fans and isolation devices. So we talked through some of the things that we mentioned here and just said, you know, what is your experience? What strategies and approaches have you used to convince clients in the work that you've done, that that this isn't a suitable isolation device. Um, and we got some really good feedback here. So a couple of reasons why it's nice to do these public posts. One, it sort of crowdsources the input, gets a lot of different viewpoints in. People can debate and discuss openly to as much as they want while other people watch the questions that are at hand. It gives viewpoints from all around the world. That's a really nice part. You're not just getting the North America view, you're getting the international view as well. Uh, and it gives something we can send the original person sending the que- the question in, you know, something they can actually send back to their client. So in this case, we have the link, the URL to this discussion on LinkedIn, not mentioning any company information, not traceable back to the individual making the request. But they can actually take that link and send it through the client and say, hey, this is, you know, the discussion going on about using fancy isolation devices. And it gives them something in addition to the the answer to the question to have that client sink their teeth into to realize that this um, is not the case. So I'll read through some of the the kind of things that came up. The first sort of sentiment, and it was echoed by a number of people, but I'll read a, a pretty well thought out 
comment from Chris Justo from Hallam ICS, who's a who's a Dust Age Professionals member company. And Chris helps out a lot with the help desk as well. It says the NFPA 69 is pretty clear on what the requirements are for various types of isolation devices, and a fan does not meet any of them. <laughs> for the sake of argument, let's assume that a fan could function as a pass, passive mechanical device. NFPA 69 requires these devices close automatically because of the pressure wave preceding the, the flame front. There's nothing in a fan that's going to close and provide a complete barrier against the flame front. In fact, a pressure wave is likely going to have the opposite effect on the fan. I can't imagine how a fan might meet any of the requirements for flame front diverter or rotary valve either. He talks with some of the tolerance of rotary valves and, and says that a fan just doesn't do that. If you have some sort of specialty fan that has built those kind of tolerances, it probably would cost a small fortune. And he would recommend just protecting the fan with an isolation device, not using it as one. So that's really the, the statement that I sort of said at the start is a fan is just isn't an isolation device. Maybe there's one that sort of is designed as such. I don't know about it. If you do, please send it through to me and I'd like to take a look. But that's just not why they're designed. And another gentleman sent a comment, comment and Bruce sent a comment in saying, in the end, after explaining why pretending a fan is acceptable mitigation measure, it might be best for your career to lose this client. So that sort of dubs into the sentiment as well as if you can't kind of convince them that this isn't what it's designed for, it might not be best for your career and, and it could be some liability issues if you choose to move forward with that design. So those are the sentiments of, okay, well, a fan just isn't an isolation device. What, what kind of other things came up? And there's was some other interesting discussion through this public post. One was around the question of, can a dust explosion propagate against process flow? One of the individuals that posted pointed back to a, a white paper from Fike called Dust Explosion Propagation, Myths and Realities. This has a very similar tone to it to the book Introduction to Dust Explosions by Dr. Paul Amiot, my uh, supervisor for my PhD thesis. Also, I think he had 20 myths and realities for combustible dust as well. So when I saw that title, it sort of sparked my interest there. But in that paper, they talk about some research done by a gentleman named Vogel, published under the title Flame Propagation in Pipes of Pneumatic Conveying Systems and Exhaust Equipment, published in Process Safety Progress, Volume 15, in 1996 where he demonstrates that a dust explosion can propagate both with the flow and against the flow. And in that white pair, they also show test results from the, the Fike facility down in Kansas City, where they have a, a closed ducting system with flow being pulled through it or pushed through it, uh, and an explosion propagating, starting one area and propagating upstream. They uh, had that demonstrated. So that kind of gives you the idea. There's another response that's talked about this basis of safety. It said, you know, if you have an extraction rate of 15 meters a second, Dust explosion might propagate around 10 meters a second, depending on the conditions. But what about if it's turbulent? What about if the fan shuts off? That's you know, kind of reasons why you can't use this as a basis of safety. The discussion from the white paper fight really demonstrates that explosion can propagate upstream. And then even if it couldn't, you really need to account for these conditions where you know, if you had a very strong explosion, if you had turbulent flame acceleration, what if the fan shut off during a primary explosion or shut off during a process upset? Um, these are all conditions where that basis of safety would fail and that you wouldn't be able to use the, this argument of the explosion propagating upstream. And Jeremy uh, Sonway from Remby jumped in and mentioned that there are several cases of upstream flame propagation and things like fuel in the ducting can also cause an issue. So if the fan does stop and you have all that uh, fuel suddenly on the ducting, that can be uh, an area where the explosion propagate upflow as well. Or if you have fuel that's actually just sitting there because you don't have the correct flow velocities in your ducting, which you shouldn't have anyway, but that's going to be an issue as well. So that's sort of some discussion around this topic of can the explosion propagate against process flow. The other sort of category of discussion that came up was 
the fan can actually be an ignition source itself. Uh, one gentleman said that this seems to me that the wrong fan, specifically the motor, could easily be ignition source rather than isolation device. And others said that, yes, as stated for the reasons and documentation mentioned, running or stopped, most fans are not isolation devices. They are, in fact, possible sources of ignition. So that's all the discussion around this question of can the fan be used as an explosion isolation device. We talked through how the help desk process worked. This was a service technician, explosion protection service technician that reached out. He understood that the fan is not an explosion isolation device, but he was looking for information to convince his client of that. So we talked about what does NFPA 69 say about fans? Nothing, really. It doesn't mention them um, because they're not explosion prevention devices. What does it say about passive isolation devices? It says that the, the device must be able to stop the flame from propagating from one side to the other. It must be able to withstand the pressures associated with stopping that propagation. And a fan as a normal device wouldn't be able to do either of these things. We took a bunch of input from the community. So we have this LinkedIn post. Again, you can access the post at dustsafetyscience.com slash 162. If you have additional comments, go put them in that post. That'd be a great place to do it. You can do it publicly and um, get some feedback on your questions there as well. But the, the end kind of sentiment from that post was that the fan is indeed not an isolation device. could be dangerous to, to try to use it as such. The explosion can, in fact, propagate against process flow. There's a number of really good resources provided there. I mean, the fan itself might actually be an ignition source under certain conditions for systems that have combustible dust that are in, in that ducting. Um, and that can be a challenge in its own right. So again, hopefully it's really helpful, really interesting seeing this question come in. If it's some kind of question, challenge that you're having, uh, hopefully information provided, the references that are provided, something you can take away and use in your, your work today to make facilities safer. Uh, if you have a question, you can go to the Dust Safety Academy, ask the question, help desk there, and go to dustsafetyshare.com and send it our way. Or just email me at chris at dustsafetyscience, and we'll send through the team and, and get it put into our help desk ticketing system from there. As always, I want to say thank you for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. Hope you have a safe and productive week ahead. I appreciate everything you do in industries handling combustible dust, making them safer with the work that you do every day.